All right, ladies and gentlemen, so we are here with episode one of SCAR. My name is Dustin Rivenbark, and the title of this episode is SCAR, and it stands for Seeking Courage and Redemption. And basically, the intent or the podcast or kind of the wire we hear, if you will, is to work out our trials and hardships in such a way that we can see God's glory and begin to unfold his plan for our lives. See, so often, uh, more than not, we often have trials, we have tribulations, we have things or issues that we come against in life that we can't make sense enough of. And if we don't watch out, these type of things will begin to cloud our mind. They'll begin to cloud our vision of where we saw our life going. And oftentimes, we can't get past those things and we don't understand why they happen, why us, why me, and all of that. Now, you might be asking yourself, what does this have to do with me? And the fact of the matter is, guys, is that is that we all have issues. I mean, plain and simple, we all have stuff, right? Whether big or small, it's there. I mean, it could be work-related. It could be something with your boss. It could be something with your coworker. Uh, this could be a problem that you have with a client that's really working on you that you didn't see going this way. You don't understand why that client just pulled away from you. You don't understand why your boss has just come down on you, right? You don't understand why that relationship between you and your coworker is so strong. Rain. This can be some of your stuff. It could be family related. It could be uh, um, a son or a daughter drug addiction, mother or father. This could be uh, a lifetime of abuse, right? This could be uh, internal. This could be a drug addiction of your own. This could be uh, you just lost your job. It, there's so many different factors that, that weigh into this. Maybe your friendship with someone is on the rocks and, and you wish you could salvage it or you wish you could step away from it, but you just don't know how. And all of this type of stuff can weigh in in what I call scars. See, your scars are basically the trials, tribulations, issues, things you've come against in life that can either heal and you can learn from that and see God's plan and purpose through that, or these scars can severely hold you down and can severely hold you back and you can't move past this stuff. Again, it can accumulate, right? It can, it can accumulate and cloud our mind and even change the trajectory of our lives. The scars that we carry and the scars that we face are so serious and it's really, really important, guys, that we that we get a hold of them early on, or at least the earliest that we can, so that we can move forward into what God has planned for us. And basically for me, um, it is my desire 
to kind of step out there on a limb and share my scars and share my trials and troubles and try to help people overcome their obstacles and become the best version of themselves. Because so often we can get caught up in the in the why me and the I don't understand and all of those type things that it can stop us from moving forward um, in our lives. And, and for me, I want to start by just sharing uh, a little bit of my story. I grew up a little different than the average person. My dad worked offshore, started when I was a little boy, and uh, he would work two weeks on and, and two weeks off, and I would come, I would live with my mother for two weeks, and I would live with my father for two weeks, and I basically say that I pretty much lived out of a suitcase, like um, I would take a suitcase full of clothes over to my mom's and I would take a suitcase over to my dad's and unpack and, and live. Uh, living life with my mom, she was uh, addicted to pain pills, so she was very much an addict, was was a lot different than when I lived with my dad. So it was it was very hard for me to adjust early on in my life to a certain stable um, sort of lifestyle, if you will, because the two were so much different. I had so much more freedom uh, at my mom's than I did when I was at my dad's, and it would often cause problems because uh, each one would kind of kind of use each other to, 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 to play off of each other. If I'd get grounded at my dad's, my mom wouldn't want to uphold that because of any kind of internal beefs or, or vice versa. And it just made things awkward. And I'll tell you, it made things hard for me growing up when my mom would want to try to step in and cause issues between my dad and stepmom and myself. And and I just have so many different issues and scars that stem from just that and that alone and fights among my mom and my stepdad. I'm talking physical fights where I would jump in and 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 just cry and try to separate them. And I would I just remember growing up. And, and having so many altercations between um, all of that, between my mom and my stepdad, and I, would, I can remember laying in bed at night crying and wishing it would all stop and uh, hearing the sound of glass breaking and, and all of this different type of stuff, praying that none of this spilled over into my room, right? And then when everything gets quiet, I go and open the door to peek and make sure nobody's hurt or dead for that matter, right? And it just, uh, it creates sort of, um, it accumulates into a cloud that can absolutely cloud my vision, even cloud some of the way that I raise my own children. So growing up, I tend to... Uh, uh, follow the wrong crowd, if you will. I kind of step out there and uh, kind of go to the first people um, who would who would accept me the way I am, and that tended to be uh, the rougher crowd. And I made a lot of terrible decisions and all of that type stuff that kind of led um, to a rough teenage years. My dad moved out to Houston, Texas, so I lived with my mom until uh, she could no longer handle me. And I moved out there for some time and 
uh, just continued that path, continued that struggle, that lifestyle. Again, I don't blame anybody. It's just, it's just the way um, that the cards fell for me, so to speak. And I remember I finally moved back home to Alabama, um, had some of the hardest years of my life, done, did some of the dumbest things in my life. And I remember hitting rock bottom and I remember calling my dad and I said, hey, dad, I said, um, you, you know, I'm done with this lifestyle. I'm done with this. I need help. I need out. And what my dad heard was the sound of a hungry man. See, so often in life, we can, we can want things we can ask for things, expecting sort of a free handout or expecting somebody to pull a rabbit out of a hat for us. But, but when you hear the sound of a hungry man, you can work with that. And I remember my dad, he said, uh, son, I'm, I'm going to do my best to try to set you up an interview offshore. I began my offshore career Ten and a half years of some of the hardest, but some of the absolute best years of my life. I would work two weeks on uh, offshore on drilling rigs. I would work two weeks home, or I would I would be two weeks home with my family, uh, and and it eventually became three weeks on and three weeks off. And this was great in the early marriage years. It also caused uh, a lot of early marriage problems, especially with the way I was raised, the way my wife was raised. Um, we almost didn't make it. The first two years into our marriage, uh, we actually separated for eight months and we almost called it quits. And my uh, my wife became pregnant with our daughter, uh, Brianna, and we decided to come back together and make this thing work. And God really showed up in our relationships and we got plugged into a great church, Watermark Church. And uh, I remember we started doing Bible studies uh, offshore and back at the house doing small groups and and basically in steps Jesus. And this is when things begin to um, take a bit of a turn, if you will, because I was working offshore, man. I was grinding. I was living the oil field dream. I was climbing that ladder of success, if you will. I was a roustabout. I bled black oil through my veins, you know, and, uh, and I moved my way up from ordinary semen to roustabout to um, able-bodied semen. Then I went to uh, into subsea, and subsea is full of uh, 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 offshore glamour and uh, uh, the, the, the money, if there is any glamour in it, you know. And so uh, subsea was just a great time for, for me to grow and learn a lot about the industry, learn a lot about the business. But uh, I started leading Bible studies offshore um, a couple years prior to leaving the oil field, uh, and I started to kind of uncover um, a gift, so to so to speak, of of just teaching uh, and and leading and helping people become the very best version of themselves. People who worked offshore would start to come and get to know Christ and accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and and it just turned into a beautiful thing. And people would begin to tell me, Dustin, you belong, you belong out there. You don't necessarily belong here. 
So time would sort of rock on. I would start doing mission trips uh, to Ethiopia with my church back home during my off times and and all of that. And, and some friends of mine, after doing jail ministry, went to my pastor and told him, hey, we, we think you, you should talk to Dustin. Um, I really think he has what it takes to go into ministry, uh, all of that and so on. And, and I remember being on a plane when my pastor came to me. It was kind of a, kind of a special moment. And he came to me in the, in the back of a plane and he said, I had never spoken to him about it. And he said, Dustin, um, I'm sort of hearing that you may be interested in ministry. And right away, I knew, did my buddy Ryan and Derek talk to you? Like, like how did this, you, you know, how did this come to you? Was this a divine moment, right? And, uh, and so anyway, we talked a little bit about that. And I told him I was nervous. I didn't know really what I wanted to do at the time. I knew I was working hard to climb that ladder offshore. And so uh, he said, we'll talk about it later. We got to Ethiopia. Got off the plane, a couple days went by into our mission trip. I, I found myself at an orphanage uh, with a whole bunch of students and, and, and children that were in the orphanage. And my pastor says, come on, let's go take a walk. We walk out on this, basically this hillside. It was kind of, <laughs> it was kind of a majestic moment. I don't know. And he started talking to me about, you know, sort of, sort of the the fulfillment of ministry, the good, the hard, the unexpected, all of that. And, and we talked through some of that and, and we decided not to make any decisions that day that we would, we would come back home and we would begin to uh, basically just talk. We would begin to meet and eat breakfast and lunch and just talk about about ministry stuff and and didn't want to jump to any conclusions. Well, me and my wife, in the meantime, uh, had been trying for four years to to get pregnant again, and uh, my wife finally got pregnant with Callie Grace, and things were looking great, making great money, lives were changing, we were helping people. Uh, my wife was finally pregnant. Um, we were on the verge of making some big moves uh, uh, on a big promotion I was aiming for offshore when the bottom fell out. 200,000 jobs lost. Mine was one of them. Uh, offshore, the the oil field sort of sort of collapsed, and I remember getting that phone call uh, shortly before the email. Hey, Dustin, um, I think you're fixing to get laid off. Now, I don't know how many of you have ever lost a job in that manner. It was hard for me. It was hard for me. I lost. Ten and a half years of what I considered my livelihood, what I thought was my livelihood. How was I ever going to recover? Now, I was feeling led to go into ministry at the time. However, I wanted to pull that trigger on my own terms. But as you know, life doesn't always work like that. So there I sit. We had just bought 25 acres from my wife's parents, my wife's mom old farmhouse that needed work. My wife was pregnant and I was now losing my job. Hung up the phone right after that, got the email from from my company and uh, I began to cry. Um, my wife cried. We were very, 
upset, God. We, we were praying, what are we going to do? My wife's pregnant. We find out after that, that, that she's pregnant with no job. Now the baby has been diagnosed with Potter's syndrome. That means that she would be born with no kidneys, no bladder, so she wouldn't survive outside of the womb. Uh, and so there I sit, no job, 25 acres, wife pregnant, and the baby's not going to make it. And I find myself just angry as all get out. I'm so mad. This is not supposed to be this way. Why me? Why now? I don't, I don't get it. Time rocks on a little bit. Um, I jump into a job. Immediately, I go out and find a management job that was not Christ-like. It took me completely away from the church. It just, life was so hard. Things were going on, and it was so crazy because, because my baby wasn't going to make it, and we didn't know what to do. We were hearing terms like uh, termination and abortion, and we talked with our pastor. We seeked help, professional help, and we decided to, to sustain this baby for as long as God would sustain her. And it was hard the, the night that, that we had to go in and take Callie Grace because she passed away in the womb one month shy of being full term. Um, I'd stepped away from that job that took me out of the church. My, my church family uh, surrounded me through a time I needed to be home. I needed to be home for that time that I with my wife to kind of get through this moment. So so the no job thing kind of turned out into a blessing. We had been good with our money from offshore, so I kind of had a little cushion to kind of help cushion that blow. My my 25 acres in house was paid for. I didn't mention because God had allowed us to not live the oil field dream in such a way that that we did the big trucks, the big houses, the big fences, four-wheelers, all of the accessories accessories, right? We lived it very modest and, and we were good with our money and managed to get our place paid off before uh, the bottom fell out. So so that kind of helped some things. And there I sit, um, figuring out what I'm going to do. My wife's healing. Uh, I'm healing. We're all healing. My family, my friends, trying to move past this, this whole endeavor. Uh, and I finally get the phone call. And it is my pastor wanting to offer me a job into ministry. And so, um, you know, I, I, I took the job excitedly, very excited. Um, we were still in very much in the phase of losing Callie Grace, but, but it was a time that I, I needed this. So I, I, I needed this. But what I didn't know was that my very first year in ministry would be the hardest year of my life because not only was I now stepping out of a field that I knew for 10 and a half years, now I'm entrusted to these teenagers and I'm trying to lead them and I'm trying to guide them and grow them and my church is doing a fantastic job holding me by the hand and helping me through that. But I'm also navigating the, the death of my baby Callie Grace and then a few months later, my mother dies of a drug overdose. I remember I remember a, a drug overdose took her life. I remember getting this phone call from my brother who said he came home in the middle of the night and he found my mother slumped over and unresponsive and, and called the uh, called 911 and they came and picked her up. We all met at the hospital and 
a few days later, she she passed away. She took her final breath uh, as I as I laid a, across her and telling her it was it was okay to go home and 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 it was a very hard moment watching my mom, who had struggled with drug addiction all of her all of my life, and finally watching it take her final breath. It it was unreal at that time that that how I how I'd lost my baby Callie Grace, how I had just lost my mother to a drug addiction three days later, after laying my mother to rest after the funeral, um, I took thirty something kids to a big worship conference uh, three days later after that, guys, and you can imagine the fog, the uncertainty, the frustration, the the just total slip of brain that one would have after going through all of that and still continuing. But I will say this, those students, man, they were there and they helped me through that. I don't know how I would have do it, how I would have done it without them, without their support, without their love, without the love of my my church family. I don't know how I would have done it. So looking back, it was uh, just a crazy moment for us. A few months after that, guys, I lost my grandmother, one of the greatest women that I've ever known to the final stages of dementia. So my first year of life, I'm, I'm seeing, I mean, my first year of ministry, I'm seeing death at, at the beginning of life with my baby Callie Grace, at middle age with my mother, and at the end of life, um, with my beautiful grandmother. And I begin to learn one thing is that, is that we only get one shot at this life. We only get one shot at it, guys. What are we going to do with it? What are we, are we going to allow those scars, those hardships, those trials, the storms of life that weather us and, and beat us down? Are we going to allow that to continue to beat us down? Are we going to stand firm on the Word of God and we're going to move forward and we're going to help people through their trials and challenges and tribulations? And that's kind of what has led to um, episode one here, the beginning of this podcast. And so uh, I want to encourage people. That's what I want to do. And I want you to be able to encourage people. People and I want you to be able to reach out and help use your scars. And I would like to eventually uh, interview other people and bring them on the podcast that have that have struggled, that have suffered through trials and tribulations of their own, and how they've seen God work through all of that. Now, for me, one of the strongest times in my life, one of the hardest times, but one of the strongest times in my life was standing next to my mother's casket and feeling the presence of God, the Holy Spirit hold me up, feeling like I could have ran through a brick wall that day. Now, that doesn't mean that I didn't have my dark moments, my hard times, and and the times that just didn't make sense and the confusion and all of that that comes along with mourning the loss of a of a loved one. But it's in those moments that we can begin to be ministered to, that we can minister to other people and by other people. We can start to see how we were created to be relational beings, 
how God created us to be relational beings and help push people forward and help move, move people forward in this thing we call life. Living in freedom every day kind of life. We can, we can be victims of our circumstance. We can be victims of mom and dad, victims of brother and sister, of friend, of relationships, of our jobs. Or we can use that stuff to empower us to move forward. And so that's what I'm hoping to do here is just be able to use those things of how I've seen God's grace how I've seen God's love and empowerment and the Holy Spirit move and shake and begin to develop things inside of me that I never thought possible, that I never saw coming, and that those things that have, that have developed and moved me from where I was 12 years ago to where I am now is a small token of where God wants to take me in the future. See, the Bible tells us in Romans 8, 37, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. That means that we can overcome. We are more than conquerors through him, not by our own accord, but through Christ who lives inside of us. But it starts with knowing and, and having a relationship with Jesus Christ and, and trusting and believing in him to help us through those times and, and help us around and over and under those times so, so that we can stand firm on that. And people can feel that when we begin to express those stories and that trial and that hurt and that and all of that, they can begin to move through that. And God can God can use you and he can begin to work in people's lives in powerful ways. And you begin to see healing take place in other people's lives. And it's just an amazing and 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 beautiful thing to watch. And I just, I, I feel humbled to be in a position to help other people grow and move forward. And I hope that this podcast just does just that. Now, my intent would be to uh, post a podcast once a week um, and hopefully you will begin uh, a connection here. Hopefully we will begin a relationship uh, here through this podcast and we can begin to use these things because I've unfolded a little bit of a, a, a roadmap, if you will, that, that I believe will help us in the future and, and will kind of lay the foundation for us to be able to move into freedom. Uh, and and from maybe maybe being trapped or or hurt or broken, maybe we can begin this process of healing and begin to live the life that God has called for us to live. I love you guys. I hope that you stay tuned. I want you to come back. I want you to subscribe to this podcast because I truly believe with all of my heart that we will begin to move from right here to where we're supposed to go if we allow God to do in us amazingly and abundantly more. Love you guys.